0: We're family. And especially during this time, uh, Christmas time, it's a family time. And a lot of us have been anticipating this season, haven't we? Some of us have been anticipating it for Christmas. Some of us anticipated it for maybe Black Friday. Um, Maybe you bought a 29-cent towel at Walmart. Uh, Maybe you waited in line for those different things. It's ridiculous what the deals are nowadays. But people wait all night after Thanksgiving to get a special deal, right? They wait in line. It's worth the wait. Uh, Kim's macaroni and cheese. I had to wait a long time to get some of that. (laughs) But it was awesome. It was really, really good. And worth the wait, for sure. You know, but there's also some things um, that we have to patiently endure. That we have to wait our whole lives to get heaven, to be with God, our creator, one day. Perhaps to see a loved one make it to heaven as well, too. We don't see these things right away, but there's some things that are absolutely worth waiting for. What does the Bible tell us of people that wait? The Bible is clear that those who wait God will fulfill them. Let's turn to Luke 2. Starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon, um, Simeon. Excuse me. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Simon. Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So we're picking up here. We've been studying out the book of Luke. It's been uh, quite a uh, an interesting journey through. We've only gone through the second chapter, and we're, we're only here, and it's taken a while, but um, as we learned last week, Jesus' is coming, Jesus' is birth, you know, it wasn't so much the Christmas story, but it was definitely marvelous. Mm-hmm. And here we have um, uh, the, the first interaction, the first people that interact with Jesus. And um, Mary, in verse 24, uh, she She was going through a a time of purification, and um, in Leviticus 12, it just talks about how um, if you give give birth to a male, um, there's a certain process where you have to get purified after you give birth, and so it's about 30 days that Mary has to wait, and so she's waiting for her purification, and uh, this is a long process. I'm sure there's a lot of anticipation with that, Um, but... Specifically, what we're going to focus on is we're going to focus on Simeon and Anna today. And let's look at Simeon. You know, it says that Simeon was a righteous man. It describes him as righteous and devout. You know, and as we learned a couple weeks ago, Zechariah and Elizabeth were described with the same righteousness. That they were faithful. That Elizabeth couldn't give birth. But God blessed her because of her righteousness. And because of Zechariah's righteousness, God blessed him. And it's clear that Simeon is being blessed by God because of his righteousness. Amen. It describes him as devout. You know, that he has his faithfulness to his religion, that he has his faithfulness to God. Yeah. You know, this word devout is used multiple times in the book of Acts to describe different Christians, different different people that are just um Devout to to God's church. You know, it's used to describe Ananias, who comes to Paul and helps him. He guides him. You know, what's interesting about Simeon is it doesn't say whether he's a priest or not. And so there's a debate whether he was in the clergy or not. But most likely, he wasn't. But he was still devout. He didn't have the title. This guy was reliable. You know, I think of—I don't know if many people play uh, fantasy football or basketball or anything like that, but uh, I started playing, and you learn different things. That you have your all-star players that get you the stats. You know, they'll be your starting five or whatever, and then you have some people that are just—they have one role. They get you rebounds. They get you touchdowns, whatever it is. They—they may stink in all other categories, but they get you that specific thing. You know, this guy was reliable. This guy could come off your bench and give you a spark, if you may. Come on. He was devout, no question. Simeon was faithful. And, you know, part of the reason why he was so faithful is because of his mindset. It mentions that Simeon was bent on the consolation of Israel. Come on. That that's what he cared about. That that's what he'd been living his life for. That that's what he had been waiting for Now you know it wouldn't be a lesson without a little Greek. So this word for consolation is paraklesis, which also means comfort and refreshment of Israel. That there was much anticipation that this was kind of the just like we wait for the holiday season, right? With that anticipation that buzz and bam, it's here. This word is also used in a scripture that we hold close to our hearts, Romans 15, 5. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That, though, th- that through endurance and through the encouragement of scripture, we might have hope. This word encouragement that we wait, we cling to the scriptures. And specifically here, this is also very true because if you notice, he he quotes a lot of scripture. Simeon is quoting Isaiah, as he's interacting. We'll see it later in his reaction. But the mindset for a Jewish man at that time was, okay, God is coming. I know it is. At this point, this was towards the end of the 400 years of silence. For 400 years, Israel had no idea what would happen. Israel was waiting. Isaiah 40, verse 5. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see. Isaiah 57, 18 through 19. I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him, creating a praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. These are words that they heard and that they cling to But for 400 years, nothing happened. This was a big deal. And then one day, the Holy Spirit comes upon Simeon. And he says, you will see it. You will see the salvation. Now, the notion in the Jewish mindset would be a conqueror would be, yes, finally. Our gladiator, our warrior, he's coming to free us. And they, and they pictured, because they would always get conquered, most likely, <laughs> so they pictured, okay, it's our turn. <laughs> yeah, We're going to conquer. But the Holy Spirit doesn't tell him how it's going to come. Right. In his mind, says, okay, he's going to bust into the temple, knock everything down and say, I'm him. <laughs> not so much. Though he was already a faithful man. And so he was encouraged by these words. All he continued his everyday life. <laughs> it says that he went back to the temple. That most likely this was, this was his duty. And his desire for consolation still came. He didn't know if it would be right away or not. But he continues. He shows up to work. And then once he shows up to work, bam! There he is! A baby! What? Huh? This isn't a warrior? A baby. Come on, How does he react though? His he's not disappointed. Come on. He begins to praise God. He blesses God. Come on. He begins to exclaim. He quotes many scriptures in Isaiah. He kept them on his heart. He finally got to see it. What are the things we wait for? You know, when uh, sometimes things are presented to us in unexpected ways. For Simeon, this was unexpected. And the reality is, our reactions, they're in the moment. Show us where we we truly are. When sin is exposed, when someone sees something, do you have godly sorrow? Do you cling to it? Do you react dramatically, subtly, react with apathy? Or do you have godly sorrow? Do you realize that it's not about you, but it's about other people? What about stress at work? Especially during this time. Do you react in anger? Do you run away? Your reactions even show what our hearts are set on. What about when you have to miss a midweek or a Devo or different events. Are you relieved a little bit? <laughs> are you kind of like, oh, sweet, I'm off. Come on. Or do you, do you long to be with the body? Are you disappointed? Now, things happen. That's true. But are you missing the body of God? When people persecute you for sharing your faith, you know, it's amazing how... Vicious people are becoming more and more. People are becoming more offensive. Do you take it personal? Or do you realize that your name is written in the book of heaven? That it's about God. You're doing God's work. And if they reject you, they reject God. They don't reject you. When you don't get it your way, when you lose control, fill in the blank, when you sin, do you realize that you're putting Jesus on the cross and that He died for that? You now, regardless if the Savior was a conqueror or not, His hope had arrived, and it's clear that He kept His scriptures on His heart, just like Mary kept these words in her heart that we talked about before. Very similar. Except he he clung to the scriptures. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you're having trouble sinning, how much of God's word is on your heart? It's clear that Simeon was a man that was devout to God and righteous. Let's look at Anna. So Anna is the third woman mentioned so far in the Gospel of Luke. Luke made sure to mention the women. Anna was a widow, and it said that she spent the majority of her life in the temple. She spent more years in the temple than she did married. I think it's clear with Anna that she wanted to be with God. As mentioned during the contribution, the widow could have been bitter, right? But the widow could have not given the two copper coins, just like Anna here. She could have went and tried and do something else, but instead she said, you know what? I don't have my husband anymore. Why not be with my God? No bitterness. Instead, she decided to worship God 24-7. You know, this reminds me of another Anna that I know. My host mom, Anna Tucker. (laughs) Yeah, I, I haven't told her about this, but I do hear you singing Downstairs, when I'm upstairs. <laughs> All kinds of music. We got Spanish, we got Christian. I think I've heard country before. She gets it. <laughs> but that's what I imagine. Just singing at the top of your lungs. That's what Anna was doing every day to her God. She was waiting. Her mindset was on the redemption of, Israel, or of Jerusalem. Excuse me. Now, what about for us? I think a lot of us, we understand the elementary fact that God does have promises for us. We've been taught this at a young age, that maybe, maybe God, I know God has a promise for me. This is what we're teaching our kids, a kid's kingdom. But do we live our life knowing that that will happen? You know, we we pray persistent widow prayers, right, in Luke 18. It talks about the widow did not give up. And and, and we can pray every day. I know I've found myself praying every day for something, but do I really realize what I'm praying? We pray for family members that just don't get it. We hear all these inspiring stories of, I got baptized, then I reached out to 80 of my family members, and they got baptized, and we're like, What am I doing wrong? What? What about my family? God. What about job situations? I just, you know, I thought it was going to be like this. I thought I was going to get my degree. I thought I was going to fill in the blank. And we pray for that perfect job. But does your life show it? Do you have the same willing heart to wait just like Simeon and Anna did for so long. God is a God who keeps promises. That's the amazing fact. God does fulfill his promises. You know, we appreciate people that keep their words, right? We appreciate people that mean it when they say, you know that you you guys are all thinking of somebody. You know, I appreciate, I want to lift up my co-leader, Lakeisha White. I know she doesn't like these things, but I'm just so encouraged by her. She was called to help lead the teen ministry unexpectedly. And something I've noticed about her is her yeses are yes and her no's are no. So when she said, yes, I will lead the teen girls, she meant it. And something I've appreciated about her is that absolutely, her yeses are yes and her noes are no. And God is the same way. God means it. Turn to Romans four. We're going to read verses twenty through twenty-one. Now, Paul here he uses the great example of Abraham. In verse twenty, it says, "No unbelief made him waver." concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, Abraham, he's old school, right? (laughs) You know, the the Jews worshipped him. They believed, they, they loved him. And he is the father of faith what made him the father of faith well his his circumstances did not make him waver did not make him waver how about you what are your cir- circumstances like are they recent are they long long going You know, is is there something in discipleship that you just don't get that is so hard for you? If you're studying the Bible, if you're learning what it means to be a true Christian, is there something that you just feel like you can't give up? Or even people that have been Christians and there's a chronic sin, there's something that you just feel like, ugh, I can't do it. I appreciate the welcome, the cavity. Do you deal with it right away? And not just deal with it, but do you go after it? Do you start drilling? Mm-hmm. Persecution from people, as I mentioned. What about health challenges? Circumstances where, where, where you have something that, you know what? Oh, I'm just not the same me anymore. Yeah. I just, I can't wait for that new body. But Come until on. then. <laughs> or do you make do with the circumstance you have? What about the loss of loved ones? You can't change that. You cannot. But why is God allowing you to go through it? Abraham, like Simeon and Anna, waited regardless of the circumstance. And while they waited, the amazing thing is they didn't just float. While they waited, they weren't just sitting there. But it says, while they waited, their faith grew stronger. Amen. Abraham's faith grew stronger because he lived it. If you study him out, he continues. When there's times of doubt, he continues. When he has no idea where he's going, he continues. He continued in righteousness because God told himself. So. Hebrews 11.1, the definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Faith requires action. there's, There's an analogy that always helps me understand faith If if I'm playing catch, right, let's say you're playing catch with somebody, you know for certain that the football is coming towards your face, right? So what do you do? You put put one hand up. (laughs) That almost hurt. (laughs) I'm not going to be playing catch. But, right, you act. You react to the football coming towards your face. If you're fully convinced that God can do what he promised, you react. If you are convinced God will come through, you are truly living by faith. Unfortunately, the latter is also true, and it will show your life. God looks for faith. God answers prayers. Something to consider as well is that Abraham, what was his promise? Well, his promise was to be the father of many nations. Did he see that right away? No, Abraham did not see the results right away. It was a generational promise. It was, if you act now, your children will benefit. Israel will advance. Consider the hall of faith. Not all received what was promised. Yet, they're admired for their faith. God promises, most of the time, or God's promises most of the time were very communal. They were generational. They weren't just about the self, but it was people all around. You know, I think sometimes when we we approach God with our promises, we always think of us. I know I can be that way. I can think of what about me? What about my condition? What about the things I've been longing for? Relationships. Where's my spouse? Advancements. What about my status? all about self I'm guilty of that and I'm sure many of us can relate (laughs) turn to 2 Peter 3 2 Peter 3 starting in verse 8 But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what's going on here? There's there's people scoffing, persecuting the church because they hold so dearly to the fact that they have a hope in Jesus coming back. And so people are persecuting them. And at this point, it's it's about the mid-60s. So not too many years after. And Peter reminds them, look, people may be persecuting you, but God fulfills his promises. God also fulfills his promises, though, to those who perish. Right. Yeah. He's already given us grace. He's already given us an amazing opportunity. He's given us the cross. He's given us his holy scriptures. He's given us every opportunity. Yeah. And is saying, whoa, 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 hey, these guys just don't get it. God is patient. You know, it's, it's an irony, right? That they're persecuting the Christians because of God's patience, but in reality, it's God's patience that's allowing them to have the opportunity to repent. Right. Yeah, it's allowing them to even persecute them, funny enough. There's an irony there. You know, God has given us the promise of the kingdom, the kingdom of God that if you have decided to say Jesus is Lord, that you are baptized into his church. God orchestrated this because he's crying out for his children. He wants his children back. God is using us to fulfill his promises. God is using us to reach out to a lost world. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Yeah. the last thing that Jesus tells us. He says, now you go. Help me fulfill the promises that God wants to give. Because if there's no disciples, then, people, then God can't fulfill his promises to them. God knows that the world is perishing. Do you? Do you realize that the world is perishing? Wow that people are wasting away. Especially during this time, people think that there's happiness in that brand new TV. People think that there's happiness in spoiling their kids. That I don't have to discipline my kid because I want them to be happy. People think that there's happiness in doing things your own way. Our culture more and more is becoming just humanistic. It's losing its values. (coughs) The world is perishing. Do you have that heart? Do you see that? Does it disgust you? Or are you slowly becoming like it? Come on. Come on, Come on. Now, God promises, he promises that the disciples will make an impact. You know why? Because I haven't read about any disciples that don't make impacts in the Bible. They're not mentioned. We have an opportunity to make a huge impact in the peninsula through our Bible talks. We don't have Bible talks because of just the the structure and organization though it helps but it's because we want to save a lost world. How devoted are you to it? And those that say they don't want to be a part of a Bible talk well how many people have you converted? It's a communal thing. We need to have this heart We can't be grumpy towards it. We can't wish that we were a part of another group. No, we have to say, This is part of my great call. That, thank God, I have a group of people helping me. That we're helping each other save a lost world, a perishing world. A world that's longing for God. Even if they're persecuting it. Even if they don't necessarily agree. Let's not take away that promise. Because we're caught up in our own promises. Simeon and Anna. They got to experience. The consolation. And the redemption. That they were the first people. To interact. Not with a conqueror. But to interact. With a baby. And when they realized that this was the answer, that this was the salvation, they were complete. They needed nothing else. They waited patiently for that day. We have the exact same opportunity to witness the consolation and the redemption in our day, in the peninsula area, with our families. We can bring consolation and redemption because we know who Jesus is. (laughs) We know what he did. This was just the beginning. That Jesus went through and he flipped everything upside down. Even today he does the same thing. Though the circumstance may not be the exact same, but the sins are the exact same. Let's be faithful to God's promises for us as we are part of God's promises for other people. Thank you.